if we're making these choices of reusable water bottles or whatever it is, or not flying airplanes or whatever, over time, it, it, it's not so hard to make that choice of that action. It starts becoming the habit, which is now eternalized, which you don't have to make that choice anymore. And you, you could go to more advanced choices that you're making as we develop people's character. So at West Point, over four years, a lot of things we do is we have people do things that are the right things to do. Even though they may not believe it, that repetition takes the actions of the habit, which hopefully leads to internalization and their, their true character before they're gone. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. When thinking about the environment, would you think that the Army would be quick to change or late to change? In my second conversation with Colonel Everett Spain, he talks about using only one plastic bottle where he would have used something like 40 He also talks about how he had already reduced his garbage from leading a garrison in Germany, where he also reduced his family's use. And this is long-term change. I recommend in particular listening for his emotional change. Would you say, listening to him, that he considers his life better or worse for this change? You'll also get to hear about West Point's mascot races and how that promoted cleanliness. You'll also hear about 15 minutes in the leadership technique that's evolved through doing this podcast a lot. Well, I'll let you listen to it to hear how I recommend influencing others to lead people to enjoy acting on the environment. So let's listen to Everett. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Everett Spain. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming up to West Point again, Josh. Glad to be here again. Thanks for hosting me. And I believe we should get out of the way right off the bat. You have the official statement you have to read. Sure, sure. I'd, I'd just like to offer, in addition to thanking you for interviewing me today, that the opinions that I'll express in this interview are Everett Spain's alone and are not endorsed by the United States Military Academy, United States Army, or Department of Defense. Thank you. Okay. And this space is really amazing. Uh, you know, Frances Hesselbein is the one who started the process of me finding out about it. She always describes it as hallowed ground, and it really is. And, and uh, I wasn't going to talk about this first, but I talked to people about the amazing environment here and how it's changed my view of how to learn leadership, how to practice leadership, among many other things. Uh, so, again, thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you. You know, Colin Powell, who was uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff fame, and was not a West Point graduate, famously said something instead of uh, he considered West Point to be the wellspring of the um, character and leadership for the Army, which is a pretty big compliment. Mm-hmm. You know? We're proud of that. As well. <laughs> I was going to say as well you should be, like it's, I, as if it's my place to evaluate these things. But it is, because we mentioned last time it belongs to you. As an American citizen. As a taxpayer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I try to actually, you feel more, it's, it's impossible to be here without feeling patriotic. I can't imagine anyone not feeling that way and to feel a part of, you hear the phrase longer line. And I don't think I would say I'm a part of the longer line, but it's certainly an honor just to be around it, just to feel that. 
Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about much more mundane things like plastic bottles. Since the last time yes, we spoke, let's do it. I believe that you have been avoiding bringing, you know, bringing in plastic bottles to avoid using disposable ones. And I'm curious how that's gone. What are, what are the facts of the situation? What's happened? Sure. Here are the facts. So uh, just to set up the context before the challenge. Um, I have a, a small refrigerator in my room for, for the audience members that might not be able to visualize that I used to keep uh, 25 or so water bottles in. And I would take a couple a day and drink them and use them and recycle the bottles. And then Josh challenged me to, you know, reconsider that a little bit. I'd be a better steward of the environment. And those are my words, not necessarily his, but that's what he was asking me. And so I took the challenge and I uh, made a self-goal of using a reusable water bottle now. And I've been successful, happy to report, uh-huh. that I have used it uh, um, extensively in the last month. In fact, so much, I left it somewhere yesterday afternoon in the department. And this morning I was walking around looking for my recyclable water bottle, which is a great problem to have because I even take it with me when I walk around the apartment now. So you're looking around for it means earlier you would have just gone to the fridge and gotten a bottle. Is that right? That's exactly right. I probably would have downed, you know, 40 plastic bottles of water since that time if we hadn't had that conversation. And now I have recyclable water models. So, you know, there's no waste for that for sure. So. Oh, so like 40 bottles. And if that's a benefit, mm-hmm. the cost was, was there a cost to this? There's a little bit of, of cognitive load, right? You have to have a little bit of discipline mm-hmm. in your life to to keep up with something and avoid maybe something that might be a little more convenient at the moment mm-hmm. for you. So there's a little bit of, I don't want to act like it's a big deal, but a little bit of self selflessness to decide to use something that takes a little bit of your own accountability, it takes you going to get a refill versus just grab another one out of the fridge, mm-hmm. you know, go down to the water fountain and fill it up. But no, not not a significant cost by any means, but certainly uh, you have to reprogram your habits. Okay, so reprogramming the habits. I mean, part of teaching leadership is to get habits habitual. And I would guess you picked 30 days. I would guess that's from your experience was, why 30 days? I think I know the answer. It's, well, yeah. So, well, 30 days is a good good number of a pilot program of any sort. We, we pilot things in the Army all the time. We pilot things at West Point. And a 30-day period is a good, good enough data that you can see trends and you can reassess. So also it was a good time for you to be able to come back up to check on how I'm doing with it. Okay. I was going to guess also that you were anticipating that by that time the cognitive load would go away, that it was habitual and you didn't have to think about it. It's funny you said that because earlier, I think it was yesterday even, I was thinking about it that uh, my behavior is shifting a little bit because of this because I've been thinking about it at home as well. It's easier to use a recyclable glass or something at home, but still water bottles are an option when I run out the door to work out, to go take my kids somewhere, to go to a practice. It's grab a water bottle or grab a recyclable bottle. And now my natural state is to look for a reusable bottle. So I think it's starting to change my behavior. So kind of what you got at earlier, you know, our our choices and our actions over time become our habits and our habits get internalized and then that internalization becomes our character and no longer are you having to choose to make those actions. They just become natural. So hopefully I'm getting more in that cycle of making an environmentally conscious decision, at least with using a reusable water, water bottle. It sounds like that one's maybe not totally automatic, but it, you, didn't, you weren't describing uh, suffering when you were looking for the bottle yesterday. And am I reading that you're, 
you're okay, you took it from here and now you're applying it to home. It sounds like you're applying it in other places and and here's a way I think of it. Is this apl- applicable to you? I don't want to like lead the witness here. But yeah, please. To me, I feel like if I make a little change to my life and it improves my life, then the next change, I don't want to make a small change. I want to make a bigger change. And because if it improves my life, I should do more. And that's what's led me to do things like not flying and all these other things that I do that I wouldn't have conceived of before. Right. Is that, how does that sound to you? Is that consistent with your experience? Well, I think it matters what drives us. You know, we, we're driven by personal satisfaction and making a difference and for others. Like, uh, you know, we, we're having an early conversation about. I think the pride in taking care of your environment is leaving it better or at least as good for people that will follow us. You know, we know many of those people by name, but there's hopefully millions more that we don't, right? And so I, I think, you know, in thinking about the water bottle problem, it's, it's a challenge that can potentially leave the world a little better for others. And if that gives me a little personal satisfaction, which it does, it's always encouraging that maybe something bigger can lead to even more personal satisfaction. I'm reading more and more benefit and less and less cost. It seems like this is like, there are a lot of exercises people could do to learn about themselves, to grow and develop, to challenge themselves. And this feels like one of, that feels like it was fitting in. Is, is that what it has become for you? Um, I think it's been fun. I appreciate the challenge. I think the older we get, the less likely we are to do things like this. You know, we're challenged a lot in our youth by external sources, our teachers, our parents, our mentors. When we get older, people just don't challenge us anymore. I think they, I think they expect us to challenge them. So I think I found it a little bit amusing, the challenge. And I found it fun in retrospect. And uh, even though it's, it's, a, it's a small thing in the scope of the world, it's been neat. I like this. I, let the record show. Amusing, fun, neat, and recalling a childhood, recalling childhood. It's funny. There was a little bit related story from my dad when I was, he was a small businessman and uh, uh, had his own, uh, you know, health practice actually. And it was in a, in a poor neighborhood of Pensacola, Florida. And it was in a mixed residential commercial neighborhood. And right across the street from my dad was a couple of private residents and single family homes that had chain link fence around it in the kind of the front yard, which you usually don't see. And that was for security. It was, it was not the safest place at night. Mm-hmm. Was this the story you told last time about cleaning up? Oh, yeah. Said, like, what, why? Because yeah. he, he didn't have the chance to do That's it. That's right. Cleaning up the bottles. So I wonder if those bottles in my mind, you know, made it, hey, I'm cleaning up bottles now in a different way. Right. I'm cleaning up bottles in a different way by not creating bottles for so, others. This is what I think is the real value that I'm trying. One of the main things motivating me behind this podcast is that it's nice to clean up the environment, but it's a big world and we don't, as individuals, make that much of a difference. Now, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as skills that you learn is you develop the skills that you improve your life more and more. But also everyone has something what people care about the environment, whether it's cleanliness and purity or connection with family or camping or beauty or aesthetic things, there's always something deeply resonant. You talked about your father last time mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it didn't take long for you to think of something to act on. Right. I think that's almost inevitable. It's, it's not everywhere in life that you find things that resonate at that level. Watching TV doesn't get it. Cooking and food can get it. It certainly connects me with my mom and, Somehow I think environmental action almost always connects with something really deeply meaningful like that. How about your other relationships? That's always a challenge is sometimes, well, actually, I don't know if it was a case for you, but for a lot of people, how they interact with others because they'll find themselves in a situation where, oops, I didn't do this. And I don't know. Did your interactions with others get affected? 
Well, I, I'm thinking of a, actually a professional experience that became deeply personal that may be somewhat akin to what you're asking about. One, one of my assignments in the Operational Army was as a community commander, of a U.S. Army garrison commander for Schweinfurt, Germany, the United States forces there. And there were about 3,500 soldiers and about 7,000 additional Americans that were family members, uh, civilian employees, or retirees, et cetera. So it was about 10,000 Americans, and I was the equivalent of the mayor, the United States mayor for them, living in Germany. And it, anyone knows that moves to Germany, uh, their recycle laws are much more developed and uh, Americans would consider stringent than they are in the United States, even in the, in the more progressive parts of the United States. It's, it's significantly different. And I remember when my wife and I moved there the first time, and we lived in a private residence above a German business, the Kurtz family, who were, became very close friends, they brought us our trash can, and it was a, a rust mule can, which means kind of trash, just in its purest form. It was what you had left over after you recycled everything mm-hmm. that was recyclable, basically. It was smaller than a traditional bedroom trash can that we have in the United States. And they said, oh, this is, this is here's your trash can. We're like, When's, how often does it get picked up? It's like once a week or once every two weeks. We're like, we'll fill that up in half a day. Mm-hmm. They're like, not in Germany you won't. And so we had a couple of options to, to fight that and, uh, or to try to, hey, maybe we can learn and see how the Germans do it. And we tried option B. And it's been, it was really fun to try to learn to recycle and grow our ability to take care of the environment. And they're right. We could, we could get all our trash in that pretty easily after a few months of just being more thoughtful with our recycling. So, and the reason I mentioned that is personal is because when you're in command and I was privileged to, quote, command that, that community, it becomes part of you over time. So I think when I left Germany, the values that were part of our life there uh, became part of me. And I think that still is inside of me. How does that inter- interact with, okay, so there's you interacting with people. You're also here at West Point. And so there's a lot of people working in your department and there's all the students, all the cadets coming through. Does this affect culture? I mean, you have some influence over culture. I mean, obviously it's been around for a long, long time. You're one person, but is it getting out from you to others? Or, and is, do you foresee more changes coming from even just this exercise? So I think that's, that's going to be a, a choice I'm going to have going forward, right? I, I've been thinking about since we've been talking here, well, can I help my influence my kids to use less water bottles and more, just for the same example, a more reusable bottle, you know, less, less disposable, more reusable. I think it's really up to me. You know, a friend of mine used to say about the Army, if you want an elite unit, make it. Mm-hmm. So if you want an environmentally thoughtful family or organization, you know, lead it. Now I have to, well, I'll leave this as an invitation to, I'd love to hear somewhere six months from now, a year from now, whenever, if that's propagated in some way. So I'll leave an open invitation to come back if, Thanks, Josh. if things like that have happened. Exciting. Actually, or even if they don't, because I'd like to know either way. Yeah. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I started going institutional. What's the next step, if any? 
Um, I think it's funny. This morning, I took my uh, I took my white paper to the recycle bins. <laughs> it was just fun. It just happened to be today. I did it myself. I don't know. I think I think I just need to share with us. The best place to start is with my kids. I think I have four, mm-hmm. and the best place to start is hey, just give them a challenge. And if I give them a challenge, I'll be more accountable to that same challenge. Just so maybe we start at the same place you started with me, and that's the water bottle challenge. Mm-hmm. as perhaps a, a good place to start. And then, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so the best way to succeed at challenges is maybe to give them. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll see if that has a, a parallel a parallel effect. And it'd be fun to see. So maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll, we'll ha- our kids will have a conversation and we'll see if Spain family can do better in that way and what second and third order effects happen from there. I want to refine how I look at it, where I started, because I didn't start with, from my perspective, I didn't start with giving you a challenge. Mm. From my perspective, I started by asking you what, what about the environment you care about, if anything? Yeah. And then once you shared that, then it was to connect that to, would you like to act on that value? No, I think you're right. And that way, because my goal in this podcast, and I'm saying this partly to you, but also to the listeners, and if, if they want to influence themselves and they want to influence others, it's, my goal is not to tell people what to do. I think there's a lot of people doing that. The effectiveness of that, I don't think is very high. Oh, it's going to be effective in people who want to be told what to do. Right. I think more effective is to find out what people care about, connect that passion to the task. And then if it's done effectively, they do it for themselves, not for, not for me, not for anyone else. And then it sticks. Then, That's right. And the quality comes from inside. The desire to... Yeah, it's internalized versus... We teach follower outcomes in our power and influence classes we teach at West Point. And uh, two of the follower outcomes are identification and internalization. I mean, there's a lot, but the four big ones are resistance, compliance, identification, and internalization. So it's interesting because identification is when the follower will do what the leader role models or ask of them when the leader is in that ecosystem. But when the leader leaves that ecosystem, the follower traditionally goes back to their behavior before. Maybe not immediate, maybe it's not uh, by choice, but you just kind of go back to your behavior before, whatever it was. But internalization is a step most leaders are after, at least most leaders of character. And that's when, by role modeling or asking folks to do things, that you do it in such a way that over time it becomes internalized as their own character that when that leader goes away, it, it sticks. It's stuck. Yeah, that's what's missing in the environment. You will not find, I challenge you to find someone who says, I don't care about the environment. I mean, they might say, I don't believe in global warming, but they won't say, I want litter on my lawn. They won't say, I want my kids to have asthma, but the price of gas drops and they buy an SUV. And <laughs> that's, it's what you just said. And it's weird to me to think of like, what did you mean when you said you cared if you, if when your behavior, if it comes down to it, you don't act on it. And yeah, that's why I think that starting with their own values is the big thing. And I don't know what people will come up with. You came up with one thing. Your kids might not care about something where bottles are relevant, but they might care about something where it's up to them, you know, their thing. And I have to be open to people caring, you know, their passions are going to be their passions. Some people it's composting. Some people it's, not getting mugs or bringing mugs, not bringing, well, that would be disposable plastic stuff. But yeah, so I don't know what the kids will be. If you give them the plastic bottle challenge and they don't care about that, you might 
get them to dislike what you want them, the behavior you're looking for. Sure. I mean, another thing we could do is, as you're aware, we could talk to the kids about, hey, ask them, you know, start talking to them a little bit about the environment itself, how it's important. They're all outdoorsy anyways. They enjoy uh, sports and being outside and letting them come up with their challenge a little bit. Yeah. Right. And then it's more likely to be at least interesting. And that's more likely to lead to, you know, the cycle of, you know, the habits, the internalization, the character. How does this fit in with leadership at West Point? I mean, you teach it, you've learned it. I'm kind of curious about how this leadership style technique fits in with. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things going on. One is, you know, we teach these five facets of character. We might talk to them about them last time, but there's, I, I find character to be too simple of a word. It means too many things to too many people to be effective teaching unless we further define it. So we define them here as one of the facets is moral character. And that's uh, integrity, honesty, kind of the standard character things most people think of. And then there, in no particular order, there's civic character, which is um, doing more than your share, uh, voting, um, volunteering. And I would say a lot of the environmental things we're talking about fall under civic character because they're choices you can make for others that don't really directly benefit you back, at least in the short term. It's just serving the community around you is civic character. Um, there's, and just to finish these off, there's social character, which is how you treat others 24-7, you know, because a lot of us, especially apropos or apropos doing um, with social media, you know, people can form other identities when they're, and treat people differently when people don't know who they are. So we're very big on social character 24-7. There's performance character. A lot of times sports teams, coaches will talk about that. My gals hung in there till the end, therefore they had character well. That's not really the same character I'm talking about, lie, cheating, or stealing, or, or voting, or, or being respectful of people, you know, in relationships. But it is an important part of character to have grit and resilience and hardiness to stick with a task to the end. Um, the last part of character, or facet, that we want West Pointers to have is leadership character. And this falls in the environment a little bit as well, in that it's just not good enough for a West Pointer to have those other four facets of character and display them throughout their life. We expect them to influence others with their character. Your character has a defect if you're around people that are showing poor character and you don't intervene. So the civic character comes to mind and the leadership character comes to mind when we talk about leadership in the environment. The other thing that comes to mind that's in a different kind of way of looking at things is a cycle we've talked about a few times in this podcast about we teach a character development cycle here at West Point that is your actions over time become your habits that become internalized, which becomes your character. And if we're making these choices of reusable water bottles or whatever it is, or um, not flying airplanes or whatever, over time, it, it, it's not so hard to make that choice of that action. It starts becoming the habit, which is now eternalized, which you don't have to make that choice anymore. And you get advanced, you could go to more advanced choices that you're making as we develop people's character. So at West Point over four years, a lot of things we do is we have people do things that are the right things to do, even though they may not believe it. And that repetition form takes the actions of the habit, which hopefully leads to internalization and their, their true character before they're gone. A silly example, one that's always fun, is at the home football games at Army. They're not doing this year, but the last five years we did what we call mascot races at the, in between the third and the fourth quarter, which you know, there's a lot of TV timeouts now when you have a good football team. So there's all kinds of time. So there's like a five-minute gap in between the quarters. 
where the teams are doing strategy. It's like a timeout. And they bring out the mascots. Every cadet company at West Point, there's 36 kind of randomly assigned or sub-organizations a cadet is assigned to for kind of care and accountability and, and, and leader development. Each one of them is like the C2 Circus or the F2 Zoo or the H4 Hogs. They all have some kind of mascot, you know, a little bit at random like a sports team. And these mascots usually have costumes, and they usually get a cadet to be their mascot out of the 125 in a company, one of the more spirited cadets. They used to have mascot races at halftime. They, the cadets would line up on the end zone. Maybe they'd get 10 of them and all dressed up. And they did a somewhat of a relay where they run to the 10-yard line, back to, to the end zone, then to the 20-yard line, back to the end zone, same person. 30-yard line, 40-yard line, 50-yard oh, line, so back to the end zone. Yeah. And at the end zone, you win. But along the way, it had it had a, uh, a recycle theme to it. So you're picking up a piece of recycling that was put mm-hmm. at each of those yard lines. Instead of a baton, and, at the la- and when you ran back over the end zone for the last time, you dumped all the things into the recycle bin mm-hmm. as, your, <laughs> as your finish. You know, that was hitting the button of the obstacle course or whatever it was. And, you know, it was, it was spirited and fun for a lot of reasons, but it was also a strategic way to build a habit for to watch our 4,000 cadets watch a cadet recycle and cheer for them as they go, right? Yeah, so that's one way we did it at West Point. And also, it's a sign of, of hope. It, you wonder, are we going to turn around in time? You know, the, a lot of predictions, doom and gloom. And then a lot of people saying, well, humans are very ingenious, and maybe we'll solve them some things. And you wonder, like, this kind of, are we going to do it in time and so forth? And I think from the outside, I don't know what it's like from the inside, but from the outside, I think people expect the army is one of the few, one of the last places to change. Yeah. But it sounds like no one was telling them they had to do that. That probably came from inside. So I don't know the origin of it, to be honest with you. Um, I think we have a environmental officer in the Corps of Cadets now. Mm-hmm. That's a senior position, leadership position for the seniors that uh, they oversee environmental recycling programs for the Corps of Cadets. We didn't when I was here, and I graduated in class in 92. Um, so that's nice to see. Um, I was at the football game on Saturday, and uh, several cadets walked around with clear plastic bags asking for recycles along the way and filling up bottles so things weren't just going in the same trash cans. Mm-hmm. And this is good. I wonder what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, now, I, you asked me about adventures. There's, uh, I'm increasingly seeing recycling you chose reducing consumption, which is very different. Than, it's, I think a lot of people see recycling as benign. And increasingly, I'm seeing the way I look at it is if just outright throwing stuff away is smoking, recycling is like smoking a filtered cigarette. It's like, yeah, it's a little healthier, but basically the same thing. And uh, I wonder if the next thing will be reduced, not even use the things in the first place. Yeah, you know what's something I think we waste a lot in our society that I'd love to figure out a way to fix is, is packages for mailing. You know, a lot of a lot of us are going more towards the online retailing. Mm-hmm. We just are as a society, and the amount of boxes we're getting, small to medium to large, is getting pretty uh, substantial. And you know, if you order something small from one of these online retailers, you'll get it in three, two or three days, and you have a big box that you just throw away. Yeah, that's a big issue. And it's it seems like we as a society could have solved this by now pretty easily. Yeah, I'll tell you internally. I have a .edu address, so Amazon was like, free Amazon Prime. This is a year or two ago. And I was like, oh, great, free delivery. All right, I ordered a few things. And the amount of garbage that I got from just packaging was just unconscionable for me. So I was like, for me, 
I don't know what other people associate the word Amazon with. Well, so there's the river, but with the company, I associate it with garbage. To me, Amazon, garbage. Coca-Cola, garbage. And I pick up a piece of trash every day. So I associate, here's like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you know, Taco Bell, Starbucks. These are, that's where litter comes from. People make their choice to buy these things and, and McDonald's. I just, to me, it's all garbage, 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 garbage. I hope that cultural shift comes about. Certainly when I was a kid, smoking, I think people associated with Humphrey Bogart. And now I think they associate it more with lung cancer. Certainly in my crowd. And I hope that comes about. It's really, I mean, there'll be some technological change, but yeah, I can't, I just, I got this award for giving some talk somewhere and they didn't ask me if I wanted the award. And it came, as you said, it was like this little award in this giant package. I sent it back. I was like, I can't accept this. Oh. So I, uh, yeah, I wonder if, I wonder if some of our reluctance to solve that problem of, of packaging has to do with our kind of phobia of germs as well, right? I wonder if, it, if there's a component of health and sterility that we need to solve along with it because if you don't necessarily need to put an extra layer of packaging on most things Mm -hmm. but we do and that's probably to keep it perceived as untouched by the human hand so i wonder if something that like that to this possibly i'm i'm reading stuff by jonathan Haidt, who's talking about how we become what is it it's a coddling of the american mind we by making people too safe you undermine their resilience and he points out to research that shows you know, if, if kids never get exposed to peanuts, then they develop more peanut allergies. And uh, if they don't solve problems, then if they don't, their immune, your immune system has to be challenged and maybe making us less safe. It's funny. I used to swim across the bayou when I was in high school. I'd have, we lived in North Florida. We had these bayous that may be 300 meters across mm-hmm. near our house. And I used to swim across it and, you know, all the fertilizer from the yards and stuff and all, and we're near a waste plant all washed in it. And it was kind of known to be kind of a, a witch's brew of mystery stuff in that water. And my dad always said it was the best tetanus shot he ever took uh-huh. was to swim in that water. So I could identify a little bit with, uh, hey, maybe uh, a little, we can be too clean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to bring it back. I want to wrap up with a couple questions. One is, is there anything I didn't think to ask to bring up that came out from this experience or your thoughts on it? Any others, any message for the listeners? I think on the, on the, on the first, no. On the second one, any message for the listeners is, is thanks for uh, listening and implicitly challenging me to keep being a better steward of my environment. Everett Spain, thank you very much. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure. Everett practiced what I would call personal leadership. He affected his family in a way that I think he would call positive. I think he changed himself in a way that he would call positive. This is, I think this is what he would call integrity and character. I heard him sounding satisfied for leaving the world better for his new behavior. And I heard him wanting to continue. Why not follow the leader of the leadership department and one of the top places for teaching leadership? I don't understand as an American why we are following other countries you know, he did this stuff in Germany a long time ago and talked about how advanced they were in Germany compared to here. Why are we waiting for other countries? Why are we following other countries on something that improves our lives? On a personal level, why wait for laws or for others to start? Why not start yourself? You'll only be following the leadership of West Point's leadership department. 
They're pretty good at this stuff. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.